Let me start this podcast by asking you a seemingly simple question. What is worship? As I began to think about this question myself, I thought at first, and you may be thinking the same thing, that this is surely an an easy and straightforward question. But as I began to think about it, I realized that defining worship may be more difficult than I thought. We use the word worship in a couple different ways. For example, as a verb, obviously to worship God or something else. But we also use it to describe our service on Sunday. We call it a worship service. So then what is worship? How are we going to define it? And how does that definition impact what we do as we worship? Donald Whitney defines worship as focusing on and responding to God. Focusing on and responding to God. This definition, as simple as it is, may be the best way to think about what it is that we are doing when we worship God. The word worship stems from a word that says worship. Worship. So then worship is literally affirming and responding to the worthiness of God. His worthiness to be praised. His worthiness to be glorified. His worthiness to be honored. His worthiness to be thought about. His worthiness to be sung about. His worthiness to be esteemed and valued above all else in our lives. We don't just do this through singing, though worship is most often and most easily expressed through singing. And we sometimes think of worship as being a portion of the church where we sing, but music or lyrics are not necessary for us to worship God. We, in fact, can worship God through every part of our Sunday service. We worship God through prayer, through our offering, through reading His Word, through communion. Each of these aspects of church is an act of worship if we come to it with a heart of worship. On the contrary, it is possible to do all these things, including singing hymns and songs to God, and it not be true worship. Jesus, quoting from Isaiah, warns us about this possibility. In Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, he says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So it is possible to sing praises to God, to come to church and give an offering, to pray and to externally seem as though we are honoring God, while all the while our hearts are far from Him. Jesus calls this worship vain. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we worship in a way that is genuine, biblical, and honoring to God? How do we properly worship God? So I want to walk through a few ways that we do this. First, to worship God properly, we have to know God. If worship is, as we have already defined, focusing on and responding to God, then we have to know God and know things about God. And God has revealed himself to us. So we don't have to wonder about who God is or what he has done because he has shown us himself in three major ways, three ways that we cannot miss. First, he has revealed himself through creation. And while this cannot be the only source for our knowledge of God and worship of him, we certainly can worship him when we see creation. Right outside of my hometown of Talladega is Mount Sheha. It is the tallest mountain in Alabama, and on one side of the mountain, there is a lookout spot known as Bald Rock. And from there, you can look out over several cities and see miles and miles of forest. And it looks like you could just see the edge of the earth from there. And it is truly a beautiful and breathtaking sight to see. 
And as a Christian, when you look out over that mountain, you can't help but feel awe and wonder in your heart at the work of God in creation. And from that awe, from that wonder, even without singing or even without words, you can worship God in your heart for what He has done in creation as you look out over that mountain. And Mount Chihaw is just one of the many ways in which you can see the hand of God in creation. All creation points to a creator. It shows us that there is a design and a designer. So God has first revealed himself in creation. Secondly, God has revealed himself in his word. In his word, God has told us all that we need to know about him. We discussed this truth in our first couple podcasts about the word of God. And we admitted that the word may not tell us all that we want to know about God or the world, but in it, he does tell us all that we need to know about him. He has told us about his grace, his mercy, his love, his faithfulness, his strength, his wisdom, his goodness, his justness, and his holiness, just to name a few. And he is perfectly all of these things. Hear how the psalmist in Psalm 103 praises God for what he knows about God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's the Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Notice in verse 7 of that psalm, the author points to the work of God in Israel as the source for his knowledge about God. And of course, the only way that David could know that much about Moses and, and the history of Israel is through the scriptures. So the psalmist, David, then recalls what God has done and recalls the character of God and then turns that into praise and worship towards God. He, as we defined earlier, focused on and responded to God, and this was genuine worship. So God reveals himself to us in his creation. He reveals himself to us in his word, and most clearly and most powerfully through his son, Jesus, specifically at the cross. Think about how the grace of God is put on display at the cross, or the holiness of God is put on display as Jesus bears the wrath of sin, or the goodness of God as we see his plan for redemption come to fruition. Each and every attribute of God is so perfectly seen at the cross. A pastor by the name of Eric Raymond put it this way, Stand in the shadow of the cross to learn of God, for here the Son of God was set forth to amplify and supremely demonstrate all of the divine perfections. So God has revealed himself to us, and it's out of that revelation of himself and his works that we worship him. Because of this, it's important that we study his word 
If we're going to be able to properly ascribe worth to Him and worship Him, then we have to know who He is and what He has done. So first, to worship God, we must worship out of knowledge of God. In other words, that is to say, to worship in truth. And with that in mind, the second way that we properly worship God is in spirit. To worship God in spirit and in truth is something you'll often hear our pastor Matt say as he prays for our worship service each week. It comes from John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, when Jesus says, But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So we worship God in truth by knowing and proclaiming truths about Him, but we must also worship God in spirit. That's to say that we worship God through the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's the only way that we can truly worship God. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that's not to say that anyone can't mouth those words, because literally anybody can say those words. But no one can say that and mean it without the Holy Spirit residing in their heart. So our worship is about God and what we know about Him, but our worship is done through the Spirit. This is because the Spirit makes the truth that we read in God's Word come alive to us. The Spirit bears witness, witness to us about what we read in His Word and lights a fire in us that causes us to worship God rightly. So we worship God in truth by knowing the things that He has revealed to us, and we worship God in spirit by letting the Holy Spirit illuminate the Word of God to us, thus causing us to worship God. Finally, and on a more practical note, we have to worship God publicly and privately. We have a tendency, especially in our culture, to overemphasize one or the other to the point of neglect of the other. I've heard people at times so strongly emphasize private worship that it seemed to neglect the need for public worship. People might say something like, we're driving on the road and listening to gospel music and worshiping, and we just had church right then and there. And my response to that is, you, you have worshiped, but you didn't have church. You see, that is overemphasizing personal worship in a way that makes the worshiper feel that personal worship, apart from com a community of believers, is okay. But the truth is, is that God expects us to worship together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see an example from the first apostles and believers. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And then further down, we see a bit more detailed explanation of what that looked like. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Also, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So public worship with one another is expected for the encouragement of one another. You need to help hear people worship each week. And other people need to hear you worship each week. It is such a blessing to hear someone that you know, that you know has just lost a loved one or someone who is battling a sickness or some other struggle, and you hear them sing, It is well with my soul. 
That is a blessing. And so we cannot overemphasize private worship at the expense of public worship because we are expected by God to do so, and we need it. It is a blessing from God to worship with one another. However, we also cannot truly worship God only once a week. That is to say that we cannot only worship God when we're in church. That would also not be true worship either. So the nature of what worship is, focusing on and responding to God, almost demands that we do it regularly. God has invited us to come to Him and worship daily, and we are blessed by doing so. Through Jesus and His Spirit, we have access to God, and we should take advantage of it by worshiping Him privately as well as in public. Donald Whitney says this, How can we worship God publicly once each week and not care to worship Him privately throughout the week? Can we expect, expect the flames of our worship of God to burn brightly in the public on the Lord's day when they barely flicker for Him in secret on other days? Could it be that our corporate worship often dissatisfies us because we do not pursue satisfying worship in private? So if we are going to worship God rightly, we need to do it in truth and in spirit, and in public and in private. And because worship isn't only singing, because as we've defined it, it's focusing and responding to God, we can worship God in a lot of ways. We can worship as we read His Word. We can worship as we pray as we walk through the woods and see nature, and we can sometimes most easily worship God through singing praises to Him. So let me now give you a couple practical ways that we can try to practice the spiritual discipline of worship in our day-to-day walk with God. Like last week when talking about prayer, these tips come from Dr. Lawless at Southeastern Seminary, and he taught me these very disciplines last semester, and I found these to be very helpful tips. So first, Let your quiet time become worship. As you read God's word and pray in your quiet time, really listen to his word and respond to it with worship as you read. Me and my sister was just talking about reading through the Old Testament the other day and talking about the law books. And and I suggested that that you read them with the heart of, of praise and thanksgiving that through Jesus, we now have a better way to commune with God. Not that that's the the purpose of the law books, but we can certainly worship as we read them in that way. We can praise God that, that we don't have to sacrifice a lamb every time we sin because God has already sacrificed the lamb at the cross. And so let your quiet time become worship. As you read, find ways to worship God through what you've read. Secondly, learn to sing God's praises throughout the day. In today's world, We have so much access to good worship music. There are free and subscription services that you can use, such as Pandora, Apple Music, and Spotify, to find worship music to listen to and sing as you go throughout your day. You can hear sermons, and you can hear podcasts like these that might also inspire you to worship. And so take advantage of all those ways that you have to hear God's Word and then to praise God and worship Him in return. Lastly, Let yourself just rest in the Lord. As Dr. Lawless puts it, he says, Be quiet, meditate, and bask in His goodness. When we worship God, much like with prayer, we are acknowledging and trusting in the goodness of God. So let yourself just rest in the Lord. I hope that you will look into your own life and see if there is any imbalance in your worship. Do you worship in truth without the fire of the Spirit leading you? 
Do you worship in spirit without praising God for the truths of himself and what he has done? Do you overemphasize private worship to the neglect of public worship service? Or do you only ever publicly worship God without the practice of a personal private worship throughout the week? So we can certainly all grow in this discipline. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we'll take a look at fasting, which I would argue may be the most neglected spiritual discipline of all. So I look forward to digging into it with you. See you then. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.